0: 32%, that's one out of every three, personally felt an angelic presence in their life. And 49%, that's about half, believe in fallen angels. Well, the word angel simply means a messenger. And we read about human angels, such as the two that John the Baptist, while in prison, sent to Jesus. They were called angels in, in the Greek, messengers. But we're, we're more concerned with the spirit beings tonight and the good spirit beings. Well, what is their origin? Well, they were created. If they were not created, then they were uh, like God, eternal. But there are a number of passages which speak about the angels being created, both in the Old and the New Testament, and I'm not going to read all of them because they're quite a few uh, that we want to look at. Let me just read one of them. In Colossians 1 verses 15 through 17 Who is the image of the invisible God, and it's talking about Jesus Christ the firstborn of all creation, for in him were all things created in the heavens and upon the earth Well, the things in heaven that were created are the angels The celestial beings, things visible and things invisible. Now it's by faith that we believe in angels. I've never seen one. Don't expect to see one in this lifetime. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things have been created through him, under him, and under him. This is speaking about the different ranks of angels. They're organized. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So when he speaks there about creating all things in the heavens, it's talking about the angels. If you want to look at some other scriptures, there's Job 38, 4-7, God himself speaking there, not one of his friends, Job's friends. Nehemiah 9 and 6, and Psalm 148, verses 1-5. through We sing a song that's taken from Psalm 148, do we not? where we're to praise God, and it mentions in the psalm the various ones, and it says the angels, and then it says all these things were created by God. Well, what is their nature? Well, one thing about angels, they are not transformed, glorified human beings. I'm sure if you've got a television, you have seen It's a Wonderful Life, maybe a dozen times. Uh, I liked it. The first dozen times I saw the picture. But you remember Clarence? He was the angel that came to help Jimmy Stewart. Well, actually, Jimmy Stewart was going to help him to earn his wings. That's what it was all about. Uh, Well, that's not the kind of angels that we have in the Bible. About people who die and become angels. That's a common concept. uh, But it's not a biblical concept. So angels are not ghosts or spirits of the dead, spending their time trying to earn their wings. When we turn to Matthew 22, the Sadducees brought a question to Jesus. They didn't believe in the resurrection. But uh, Jesus makes a statement, and I'm not going to look at the whole text, but in verses 29 and 30, he's talking about angels. But Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err... Not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For at the resurrection, they neither marry, nor are given in marriage, but are as angels in heaven. He didn't say that human beings are going to be angels. They're going to be as angels. He talks about their not having any uh, marriages, I guess we'd say. They have no sexuality. Though the Bible refers to angels always in the masculine tense, never in the female tense. And they're spoken of as men. And when they take the form of men or of human beings, they're always a man. Even though artists paint feminine faces on the angels, there are no baby angels. Maybe you received Christmas cards. That show some artist's concept of angel, baby angels, fluttering around the manger scene. I mean, as baby angels, they're interested in the baby Jesus. That seems to have been the idea. What about their number? We're not through with the so far. we'll come back to some more points on that. But when we read in the Bible, the Lord of the host, well, the word host means army, doesn't it? But the army that he's talking about here are all angels, and uh, we find that they're exceedingly numerous. Such expressions as they're uncountable, innumerable, as we read about in Hebrews twelve twenty-two, myriads, or the NIV translates that thousands upon thousands, a numberless host. And so the Lord of hosts, he is the Lord of all the armies. In the heaven. And as we said. We don't believe they're increasing. They're not married. There are none angels that are being born. We don't turn into angels. Also we notice that the angels. Are made on a higher. Or were made on a higher order than man. Man was made a little lower. Than the angels. We read in Hebrews 2.7. and Psalm 8 and verse 5. Another thing we notice about the angels. Is that they were. They are moral, free moral agents. They have a law. And they can choose to obey the law or to disobey it. And let's look at a couple of passages of scripture that bear this out. In Second Peter 2 and verse 4. And then we'll look at Jude 6. Second Peter 2, 4. If God spared not the angels when they sinned, but cast them down to hell. That's Tartarus and committed them to pits of darkness to be reserved under judgment for if god spare not angels when they sin now the very fact that they sin shows that they were in subjection to a law because when we turn over to romans 415 or romans 513 it says that where there is no law there can be no sin no transgressions we are sinners because we have a law The angels sinned because they had a law that they disobeyed. When we turn to Jude 6, that gives us maybe a little idea as to what they did when they sinned. And angels that kept not their own principality. Certain limitations were placed upon them, but they didn't observe those limitations. They kept not their own principality, but left their proper habitation, whatever that may have been. He hath kept in everlasting bonds under darkness under the judgment of the great day. So angels also are subject to God's judgment. Well, what are some of the forms of angels? They are invisible to unaided human vision. Now, I qualified that because I'll give you a couple examples in a minute. They're incorporeal, incorporeal. They're not made of material substances. That is, they're free of time, free of space, free of any human weaknesses. You remember when Balaam, in disobedience to God, was trying to go down and to help uh, Balak, the king of the Moabites, who wanted him to come and to curse the children of Israel at the end of the 40-year wandering. And uh, God said not to go, but finally he let him go. Well, there was an angel that appeared under the donkey that Balaam was riding on. But Balaam couldn't see the donkey. The donkey saw it. In fact, you remember the three different things that happened because the donkey saw the angel. In this particular case, the last, it was the angel with the sword drawn standing before the donkey and Balaam. And then we read that God opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel. And so that's why we say... That they're invisible to the unaided human vision. That's Numbers 22 and 31. And then in 2 Kings 6, 15-17 is an interesting instance. This is a time when Elisha, the prophet, was being sent for by Joram, who was the king of Israel in the north. Chapter 6, 15-17. Because... Elisha was telling the, the, the Syrians everything that the Joram was planning on doing. And every time they went to approach the Syrians in war, well, they weren't there. And he found out through one of his men that Elisha was the one who was giving them all that information. So he says, Well, you go down there and capture him and bring him here. Well, they sent a huge force down there to capture Elisha. And that's where we'll begin. And when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha's servant, was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host with horses and chariots was round about the city. These are the true soldiers sent down from the ten northern tribes of Israel. And his servant said unto Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Or what are we going to do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that are with them. Well, he must have looked around and said, well, I only see you and me. I mean, who are you talking about here? And then notice, verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Jehovah, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And Jehovah opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. These horses of fire and these chariots were angels. We're going to notice a little bit about the different uh, forms that God gave angels. They're not just human beings. There are a number of times when they became human beings to communicate for God to human beings. But God uses them for more than uh, just communicating to man. And so I look upon these as uh, as As angels. So they were capable of, assume, of assuming any form God was or is pleased to employ them. So we've noticed horses and chariots of fire. Angels. Another instant. Uh, look at Second Kings 2. Now this is when the prophet Elijah was taken up into heaven. He and Elijah crossed the Jordan and they were going along talking When suddenly he was taken up. Let's read verses 11 and 12. And it came to pass as they, Elijah and Elisha, went on and talked, that behold there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, which parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, then he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. I don't know why those are not angels. Also in Hebrews 1, chapter 1 refers to how God is superior to the angels. That's the point mainly of all of chapter 1. But in chapter, uh, verse 7 it says, And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels winds, not human beings, but who maketh his angels Winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So there are his servants. there are his ministers. They take the form of wind. Or they take the form of uh, a flame of fire. Well then, what are some of the attributes of angels? We've looked at a few of them. But well, one thing we noticed that they were they're not supernatural in knowledge. I mean, they are supernatural in knowledge. But they're not omniscient. They know more than you and I know. But they don't know as much as God knows. Give me a, a few examples. The angels appeared to Abraham and Sarah and told them that in about a year, Sarah was going to have a son. That was supernatural knowledge. Hadn't been conceived yet. They told him what was going to happen. Also, the angel Gabriel appeared to Elijah. Zechariah, excuse me, while he was ministering in the temple in Jerusalem, told him that his wife, who was barren, Elizabeth, was going to have a son. that was going to name, his, give him, uh, name him John. Supernatural knowledge. That was the angel Gabriel. He appeared also to, uh, to Mary, the virgin in Nazareth, and said, He's going to have a son, and the conception is going to take place by the Holy Spirit. Supernatural knowledge. The angel appeared to Joseph while they were in Bethlehem and said that Herod wants to kill the boy, Jesus. So take him and his mother and go down to Egypt until Herod's dead and I'll call you. That was an angel giving him that information. And of course then when Jesus returned to heaven, ascended back to glory. In Acts 1 verses 10 and 11 there were two men, they're called men but they're described as angels, And they told him that this Jesus, whom you see ascending into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you behold him going. So that was also supernatural knowledge. But they don't know everything. And here's two Bible examples. In Matthew 24 and 36, Jesus said that of that day and hour knoweth no one, not the angels nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. The Father only, not the angels. They didn't know, maybe they don't know now, I don't know how, what's happened since then, when Jesus Christ was going to come again. And then when we turn to 1 Peter 1, verses 10 to 12, it talks about what the, uh, the prophets prophesied about Jesus, about the redemption that he was going to provide. It says that the prophets wanted to know more and the angels also wanted to know. Let me read 10 through 12. Concerning which salvation the prophets sought and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what time or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did point unto When it testified before him the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow them. To whom it was revealed, that is to the prophets, that not unto themselves, but unto you, you brethren, did they minister these things, the prophets ministered these things, which now have been announced unto you through them that preach the gospel unto you by the Holy Spirit, sent forth from heaven, and now notice, which things angels desire to look into. Some reason God just didn't disclose all of this, to the angels he didn't disclose it to the prophets either all of the meaning of it and so we find that they had supernatural knowledge or have also supernatural in power but they're not omnipotent God only is omnipotent or all powerful you remember when the two angels came to Lot to get him and his family to leave because God was going to destroy that wicked city Well, Lot was very hospitable and invited them into the home spend the night with us. Well, when the men in the city found out about it, they came and they wanted these two men. And Lot tried to plead with them, to leave them alone. He was responsible as their host. But what did the two angels do when they tried to get in the house? They blinded them. When Paul, when David, King David... wanted to have a census taken. He wanted to count all the men who could go to war. Evidently, he he did the wrong thing. The Bible says so. In fact, Joab tried to talk him out of it. And so they got started because the king prevailed, didn't get the census taken, finished. And then God told David that he had done wrong, gave him three choices, because he was going to punish him. Well, he took a choice that he thought would hasten and also appeal to the grace of God. And as a result, the angel of God destroyed 70,000 Israelites. And then he came with his sword on Jerusalem, the capital city, ready to do more damage, destruction. And Jehovah said unto him, it is enough, stay thy hands. Angels are limited by the power that God gives them, cannot go beyond it. One other thing we notice is that they have incredible swiftness. I mean, they say Superman can travel faster than an airplane and a bullet, but the angels fly faster. I say fly. They, 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 they go faster uh, than light. And light goes what? 186,000 miles a second. Let me give you an example from the Bible. In Daniel chapter 9. Here is Gabriel, who Luke 1.19 tells us, who stands in the presence of God. Daniel begins his prayer, and then we find that, a uh, few I'm looking for Daniel here, chapter 9.20, that Gabriel is sent from heaven, to Daniel's side. I'll read 20 through 23. And while I was speaking, this is Daniel speaking, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before Jehovah my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, I guess he do, they do fly, Touch me about the time of the evening oblation offering. And he instructed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee wisdom and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication, that is, when you began to pray, this prayer, supplications, the commandment went forth, and I am come to tell thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore. Consider the matter and understand the vision. Gabriel is in the heavens. who he stands in the presence of God. Daniel is praying. God says, Gabriel, you need to go down and explain the vision to Daniel. And before he finishes the prayer, he's there. What is the mission of the angels? Well, as a summary statement, we will say that angels serve primarily as the ministers of God's providence. That's very general, is it not? They serve primarily as the ministers of God's providence. I'm going to give you some instances. When we turn over to Psalm 34 and verse 7, we read, The angel of Jehovah encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Now, that's what God's angel does. He encamps around those who fear him, that's the saints, and he delivers them. Now, this is a general statement without any specifications, but we believe the principles there. The saints of God, according to the scripture, are surrounded by angels that are invisible to them. When we turn to Hebrews 1 and 14, we read that the angels of God are ministering servants... Sent forth to do service unto them that are sanctified. That's the saints, those who are saved. They are ministering servants. And they're sent forth by God to do service, to minister unto them that are sanctified. That's to say, that's you and me. How they do the service and what all they do, uh, he doesn't explain there. Luke 16 and 22 tells us something else that they do. This is when the Lord is telling us about the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. And verse 22 tells us that the beggar died and that the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. But here's an instance the Lord's telling us where the angels carried this beggar, this Believer, the saint, into Abraham's bosom, which is symbolic of paradise. Carry the saved home when they fall asleep in Jesus. Another thing, a part of the mission, is that they're to stand before God and they're to worship God. God created them to worship Him. Now, they're not robots. They wouldn't bring any blessing to God to create something that couldn't do anything else. They're free moral agents. He wants them to be holy. And you cannot be holy without making a choice of doing God's will. And so he created them, gave them a free will. But for the purpose of not only being his servant, but to worship him. They're not to be worshipped. We have a number of scriptures that talk about that. In Colossians 2 and 18, Paul condemned the church in Colossae, or not the church, but those who were trying to lead them astray, who were trying to get them to worship angels. Remember in the Revelation 2 places, 19 and 10, but also in chapter 22, we read about the angel that had given this message to John, And John fell down to worship the angel. Well, the angel said, Don't do it. I'm a fellow servant. Verses 8 and 9. And I, John, am he that heard and saw these things. The revelation now, this is the last chapter of Revelation. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel that showed me these things. And he saith unto me, See, thou do it not. I am a fellow servant with thee and with thy brethren, the prophets. And with them that keep the words of this book, worship God. So the angels are created not to be worshipped, even though they're made higher than man. But they're to worship God. And other uh, passage, Psalm 103, 9 to, or 19 through 21. Maybe I'll just read that. Psalm 119. I mean 103, I'm sorry. And we'll start at nineteen. Jehovah hath established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Blessed Jehovah, ye his angels, that are mighty in strength, that fulfill his word, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless Jehovah, all ye his host, those are the angels. Ye ministers of his that do his pleasure, those are the angels. Also, and we just read from Revelation 22, 8 and 9, that they had a part in revealing God's will. It was an angel who revealed the revelation to John. Also in Acts 7, 53 and in Galatians 3, 19, we read about how the law, the covenant, the promises had been ordained by the angels. And so they had a part in that law and uh, one other example remember the writing on the wall time of Belshazzar Daniel was in uh, Babylon one of the servants there during their captivity and Belshazzar and his servants and officers and everybody were having a big revelry big party and all of a sudden there was this hand that wrote on the wall tinkle tinkle um, Mini, mini, tickle you, farson. Well, don't you think that was an angel? It just said it was a hand that wrote that message on the wall. A part of the mission of the angels. Then one other thing we would mention is uh, in the last day, the day of the resurrection. They'll have a part. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15 tells us about the family of God in heaven and upon earth. And who's the family on the earth? Well, those he's created, his saints. Who's in heaven? Well, it may be the saints who've already gone on, but the angels as well. In 1 Thessalonians four sixteen, it says that when the Lord shall himself descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. So there's going to be the, the voice of the archangel when the Lord comes again. And in Second Thessalonians one, seven nine, at the revelation of our Lord Jesus from heaven with his angels of power, rendering vengeance and so forth. And so the angels will have a part in the Lord's return. And in Matthew thirteen, forty one through forty two, we read about it. at the end of time God's going to send forth his angels to gather out of his kingdom all of those who cause stumbling and uh, those who are lost. In fact, they'll be doing that.